Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Why in the world would we want to build a better life? Well, one big reason is because Jesus lives on the inside of us. He counts us as his home. And since he counts us as his home, it seems really important that we would do a little home improvement every now and then. You know, the Bible talked in one of the prophets about how people would take care of their own houses and they would go and paint their own house and they would go and, you know, uh, 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 seal their own houses, keep the rain out of their own houses. And yet at that same time in, in history, at that same time, uh, the house of God was lying in waste, he said. He said, while you take care of your own house, my house lies in waste. You know, Jesus lives in us. I don't know why God wanted to live in us, but he did. And the reality is, is that the creator of the universe lives. He's chosen to, and he lives in you. And since he does, and since we are his home, it seems reasonable that we would not be paying, you know, an inordinate amount of attention to the things that please us and pay a little more attention to this guest we have, okay, to this father that has come in and he's made his home in us and improving his house. That means that we need to pay some attention to some physical things, some spiritual things, emotional and mental things. We need to pay some attention to the things in our lives that really make a difference to God. And the word of God is full of those things. And so tonight, we are taking just one more opportunity to talk about another facet of our lives and how we, in this home improvement series, can build better finances. Do you know God talks so much about money in the word? In fact, Jesus, when he was on earth and teaching, if you were to take his cumulative sayings, he would have said more about money than he said about heaven and hell combined. Isn't that amazing? He addressed the issues of money. He addressed what our finances could do to us if we are not watchful or they could do for others if we were to manage them op you know, uh, uh, optimally. God is interested in us being good stewards over his blessings. And one of the things that God blesses us with is an opportunity to make and to manage money, an opportunity to, to be a good steward. In fact, Jesus was talking about uh, one of the parables was about a man uh, you know, who had been given you know, a, a, a lot of money, someone who had been given a, you know, a medium amount of money and somebody who had been given a little amount of money. And then he spent a whole uh, you know, afternoon talking about what each one of them did with the opportunity they, they were given uh, with these talents and how he praised those who did well. He praised those who, who ended up with more than what they started out with and how those that didn't do anything with their opportunity, how he said it was a shame and he even took from them uh, what he had originally given them and gave it to someone who was going to do more with it. He said, this is the way the kingdom of heaven is. So tonight we're going to talk about building better finances and we're going to find seven things that we can do, seven pillars. According to Proverbs 9 chapter 1, the Bible says wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. These are the strong pillars upon which, you know, the, the, the roof of the house sits and holds the strength of that house and, and the second, third, and fourth floors. How, when, uh, how in the Middle East, if you've been there, you know how they build up. They don't necessarily build out, they build up. And almost every house that I go to and see there, they still have rebar sticking out the top. They're waiting on another story. They're waiting on, you know, some, somebody else because, I mean, they just keep on building up and up and up. And it takes some very strong pillars. And wisdom begins the house begins by building strong. And if you lay the right foundation, Jesus said, then when winds come and storms come and, and when all types and manner of pressure comes to our lives, our lives will stay strong because we had a strong foundation as opposed to those who build without a strong foundation. Well, money problems are most often not related to math. Money problems are most often not math problems. Money problems are most often behavior problems. Okay? 
Most time, many times, people try to attack money problems with math. But instead, what they need to do is check their behavior. And so tonight, we're going to learn several things and several principles about our lives and how we can put ourselves in balance. God wants us to be in balance when it comes to money. And, you know, God does not mind us having things. He does not mind us having money. He does not want money to have us. And Jesus talked about how we can only serve one master. Well, there are two common ways, two very basic ways to increase financially in this life. Number one, you can work for your money. That's one of the ways that you can increase. And you should, we all should work for our money. But the second common way to increase financially in this life is for your money to work for you. And there's no reason why you cannot do both. Working for your money will give you a paycheck continually. Letting your money work for you will give you a paycheck even when you don't get up and go to work. Okay? And so many times the greater wealth, the greatest wealth that we can obtain comes later in life. Whenever we have amassed, when we have gathered a little money because we worked and used that money in such a way that it begins to work for us. You can only work at your job when you show up, but your money will work for you even when you don't show up. Luke uh, tells us that we just cannot serve two masters. Jesus said that basically you will either serve almighty God or you will serve the almighty dollar. That's in the American terms, okay? Either you will serve God or you will serve money. One of these two is going to do its best to be your master. A lot of people may not realize that they are serving money and they're trying their best to use Jesus to serve their pursuit of money as opposed to using money to serve their pursuit of Christ. We can use our money to serve the hope and the vision of God in our life or we can use God trying to pursue the hope and desire for money. And both of these will give us a formidable, you know, uh, 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 pressure to please them. God wants you to please him. Jesus talked about two types of riches in the Bible. One type of riches that Jesus talked about were uncertain riches. You know, what we do with a little is exactly what we will do with much. Please do not be deceived. God says he's not deceived. And we should not be in some delusion. What you are doing with what you have right now is the same thing you would be doing if you had 10 times more. What you are doing with what you have today, what you are doing with, 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 with your paycheck or what is in your pocket is the very same thing you would be doing if you had a hundred or a thousand times more. I know we like to think differently, but the word of God says that what you do with a little is the same that you will do with much. It's hard at times whenever I'm talking to someone and they're telling me, especially, let me put it on preachers, especially whenever I am visiting another church and they may have me there as a consultant. I do church consulting both nationally and internationally. And, and when I'm consulting churches, I, I, I often look very closely at what they're doing with their money. And many times I, I, I take them to task because they aren't giving enough. They aren't involved enough in the work of God. They're more involved in, in, in keeping things rolling and keeping things you know, satisfied, uh, uh, keeping people happy and, and numbers of other things. And so I challenge them to begin a missions program. It is sometimes disheartening to go into uh, you know, a small, medium, a large churches and find out that they are relatively doing almost nothing with world missions. What they may be doing is they may be doing something with advertising, but advertising is not missions. It's not missions until you help someone who cannot help you back. 
Okay? It's not missions until you give looking for nothing in return. It's not missions until you have pity on the poor and then you're lending to the Lord and the Bible says that he will repay you. It's not missions until you're doing something that God wants done and he wants you to do it for nothing but love. That's missions. And I challenge them and they tell me, oh, we just don't have, you know, well, when we get more, we're going to no, you know, you're not. I tell them, I just smile at them. I tell them, you know, thus says Pastor Ron, when you get more, you won't do more. That's not the truth. What you do with little is the same thing you will do with much. And if you can take what you have and start where you are and begin today to be faithful over what God has given you, the Bible says he will make you Lord over more. Jesus talked about uncertain riches. He talked about how we should command those who are rich in this life to not trust in uncertain riches. Why? Well, it's because, you know, uh, uh, these riches that God has, has bestowed upon us are opportunities he's given us. And Proverbs tells us that, that uh, you know, riches make themselves wings and they will fly away quickly. I mean, everything you have can be gone in a moment, in a flash. In fact, you can be gone in a flash and everything you have worked for now falls into the hands of someone else that's going to do what they want to with it and not what you wanted. It's important that we be good stewards over what God has given us. And it begins when we have nothing. It begins by us being faithful over a little. He talked about uncertain riches. He talked about how riches, uh, if we're not watchful, we can fall in love with money. And, and it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And uh, money is not bad. The love of money will push you and press you and to pursue riches. The Bible says if a man is chasing after riches, he will not lack for sin. He will fall into sin and mischief chasing money. True riches. If we aren't faithful over that which is in our hand, then who in the world would commit to us the true riches? Jesus told the young rich ruler, he said, if you will participate in my kingdom with your money, then I will get involved in your money with my kingdom. And I will deliver to you treasure in heaven, true riches where moth and rust and dust and thieves cannot break in and steal and it cannot be corrupted. I will return to you more than you can imagine. Our text for this lesson tonight is going to come from the book of Ecclesiastes. I have chosen a few scriptures out of Ecclesiastes 10 and Ecclesiastes 11. Hopefully you will remember these and go back to them in days to come as we begin to look at seven things that God wants us to do in order to begin to build or in order to continue to build in order to maintain strong financial position in life. Ecclesiastes 10, I'll be reading this from the New Living Translation. Verse 18 says, laziness. <laughs> uh, I know I'm not talking about you. Laziness leads to a sagging roof. Oh, I like this translation. Laziness leads to a sagging roof and idleness leads to a leaky house. I don't want a leaky house. I don't want a sagging roof. And therefore, I cannot afford to be lazy, as Solomon said. Verse 19, he says, a party will give laughter and wine will give happiness, but money will give everything. You know, the King James Version says money, it's the answer to all things. Ecclesiastes 10, 19. I love that. I learned that back about 1980. And I begin to tell God that all I need, Lord, is a little money. You know, you have my heart, Lord. If just a little more money, Lord, we can do a little more because look at what we're doing, what, what, what you've given us. In fact, our church last year in the year 2017, I believe uh, our church gave, I think, 32% of everything that came in to World Missions. Yeah, 32% of every dollar that came in went to someone in some way that could not help us back. Isn't that amazing? Wow. I think that's a pretty good investment into the kingdom matters. Because what we did when we had a little, we just kept doing. So that when we have much, we continue to do much. Money 
gives everything. Money can help everywhere around the world. Money can help here at home. Money can help you. Most of your needs can be met by money with the exception of the true needs. Most of the needs of your neighbors, most of the needs of the world can be met with money. As long as we have the right heart. Ecclesiastes 11, the next chapter in verse one says, send your grain across the seas and in time, Profits will flow back to you, but divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risk might lie ahead. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they will never harvest. Isn't that neat? <laughs> you know, farmers that are, that are just always have a reason why they're not planting, ah, uh, well, it's not, you know, the wind's blowing today, you know, uh, they will never plant. And if you never, if you wait for the perfect conditions, you will never have perfect conditions. If you wait for when it's perfect and you wait for when you have enough and you wait till you don't need anything else, you will never begin to plant. And unless you plant, you will never reap. Amen. Diversify. You don't know, I mean... You know, if you're going to buy some Coca-Cola stock, buy some uh, Pepsi stock too, because you really never know which one might go up or they both might go up, you know, diversify. Don't put all your eggs, uh, book, the book of Hezekiah, by the way, that's not a real book, but Pastor Ken and I've been writing it for 20 years. The book of Hezekiah says, uh, uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket. I mean, this is the word of God. Solomon wrote this, diversify. And if you wait for the perfect moment, You'll never find the perfect moment because you cannot predict the future. All you need to do is make sure that you are consistent and that you are persistent. Verse six says, plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon. I love that. What are you saying? He's saying, look, don't be lazy. Get up in the morning and get out in the field and, and do some work and plant your seed. And then you just go ahead and keep working all afternoon. You get up in the morning, you work and you work all afternoon for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another, or maybe from both. And we need to stay busy. We need to do more. Why? Because God is willing to bless the work of our hands. It is God's hope that every one of us, that every one of his children will take his counsel and that we will be able to make a better living, make a better life and make a greater difference. That's what God wants us to do. Make a living, make a life, and make a difference. You've heard it here uh, for 30 years now. I've been telling you that God wants us to take the word. And I'm hoping that, that every Sunday and every Wednesday, we can give the word of God to people so that they can leave here and make a better living, so that they can leave here and build a better life, that they can have a balance so that they don't spend all their time making a living and, and, and no time making a life. Because one day you will no longer want more money. One day you will no longer want more stuff. One day you will no longer want, you know, more trips. One day what you will want is a life that took time to sow seeds of relationship and seeds of understanding and kindness and mercy and patience and, and investing in others. And then one day you will want to reap because you not only made a living, made a life, but you made a difference. We can do all these things simultaneously. You see, life is not about getting. Rather, life is about getting to give. <laughs> life is not about getting all you can and canning all you get. But life is about getting so we can give. Life is about getting Christ so you can share him with others. Life is about finding peace so that you can share it with others. Life is about getting light and joy and, 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 and goodness and patience in your life so that you can give it to others. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Greedy and selfish spirits belie the heart of God for our life. And so tonight, these seven pillars upon which we will build better finances, 
They should work together in our life. They should be in order and they should be in balance. These things should be working. We shouldn't spend all of our time making a living, all of our time making a life, and we shouldn't spend all of our time trying to make a difference. We ought to make a living, make a life, and make a difference. These things should be in balance in our life. So let me give you the first pillar. Here are seven pillars that I believe uh, that will work for each one of us and help us to build better finances, to do a little home improvement. Number one is work. Everybody say work. We've already talked about that, but the second Thessalonians three and verse 10 says, for even when we were with you, the apostle Paul wrote, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither let him eat. Boy, I like that. I, I, I like Paul's straightforwardness. You find somebody in life that's unwilling to work. Well, hey, look, it's not your obligation to feed them. Now, if they can't work, it is, or if they're, if, you know, some other situation, but if they're just sitting around in the house all day long, don't be coming knocking on my door at dinner time. <laughs> You don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> Boy, that's just a pretty good deal. I think if we held other people to that standard, I'm not talking about those who can't. I'm talking about those who won't. Here, it's very plain. Work is a part of our lives. To be gainfully employed is a responsibility of our lives. Now, you know, if your money is working for you, you're in an agent stage in life where you're not required to go out and punch a clock, great. But if you don't have something on the table, and then you need a 40-hour-a-week job. And if you don't have a job, let me give you a job right now. You have a 40-hour-a-week job finding a job. There's a job for you. Get up and get out there. Start looking, knocking on the door. You really want a job, you come see me. I'll give you a job. Okay? It's called work. Hello? It's a good day. If a man, the Bible says, did not provide for his own, he is denied the faith and he is worse than an unbeliever, the Bible says. It's important that we provide for ourselves. And life is not going to get in balance until we are willing to work. We must work. If we're going to build a financial strength and a financial future, we must be willing to work. I can't tell you over the last 40 years how many people have come to me and told me their financial needs or financial problems, especially those that are needing jobs. They come say, oh, I need a job. And I, 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 I seldom do I let someone leave my presence without me, making, without me asking again, do you really want to work? Are you willing to work? Can you go to work today? Well, not today. No, this week. No, no, I have, I, you know, I, I, I got something else I want to do. I needed to go down and, you know, uh, I, I was going down, you know, walk around Walmart. And, uh, you know, uh, whatever, I don't know. But boy, if somebody, uh, by the time I get finished, do you want to work? You want to work now? I mean, were you willing to go to work? Okay, I'll pick up the phone and call somebody. Somebody like Royce. And I say, hey, look, you know, I'm going to invest in this guy and I'm going to give him a, you know, a day's wages. I'll make sure he gets a day's wages. Would you work him a day? Most time they can't make it from the office to Royce's place. Work. Let me encourage you. I can't get more plain. And I know I'm not just talking to you, but I'm talking to people who are going to listen to this for decades to come. Get a job. Establish a good work ethic. It is the will of God for our lives. There's something you can do. There is something you can do. It doesn't have to be hard, physical, manual labor, but there's something you can do. And you need to do something. Number two, a second pillar upon which to build your financial strength, financial future, tithe. Tithing is an important part and an important aspect of God blessing our finances. What is a tithe? The tithe is 10%. Proverbs, the third chapter says, honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase. Verse 10 says, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. You might say, is it possible for me to get uh, wealthy or money without tithing? Sure it is. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of, uh, um, um, there are a whole lot of adventures that make people wealthy who have no connection at all and no submission and no, no, uh, no heart for the things of God. But that's not God's blessing or God's intent. And it is a waste because everything that they have is doing nothing for their eternity or anyone else's eternity. Tithing is important. The first fruits of your increase. Malachi, the third chapter says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this. This is the very thing that I tell pastors. 
I tell pastors, why, uh, why do you get up and ask any of your people to give when your church isn't giving? I mean, I think you forfeit the right to receive offerings whenever you stop giving them. Hello? That's what I tell them. It's not real popular. But then, and, and, but then I tell them, try him. Try him. You know, at Church on the Rock, we have a guarantee on the tithe. We've been doing this now. I've been pastor here for right at 30 years. We've been probably doing this 28, maybe 28 and a half years since I have been here. A guarantee on the tithe. That if you haven't tithed and you want to try him, you trust him, you try him, he will prove himself. You just begin tithing. And if you will tithe faithfully for six months, faithfully tithe, be faithful, not hit and miss, but be a faithful tither for six months. If God does not do what he said he would do and bless your finances, then you come and see me and tell me about it and I'll give you all your money back. No questions asked. We're not here trying to gather money. We are here trying to build lives, build futures, and hopefully if you will get a connection, you will see your children, your children's children, your children's children's children following that example. But even more than that, you will see people around the world being blessed and benefited by the strength of the church as we take the gospel into all the world, as we feed the hungry, and as we reach out and, 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 and you know, uh, uh, our, our blessing. We're faithful to, 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 with, with food and with water wells and with, all, you know, we're not having to receive any offering from you for these six new water wells that we're drilling in Pakistan. Why? Because that's what we did already. That's the faithfulness we already did. We paid for those with money you already gave. You know, we, 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 we seldom have to mention what we're wanting to do. We just come and tell you what we've done with what you've given because to be faithful over what you've given because your tithes and your offerings make a difference. We're able to keep the church doors open. Sure we are. We're able to keep the, the lights on. Sure we are. We're able to keep ministry going out. Sure we are. But we're able to do so much more because of our faithfulness and because of your faithfulness. You see, the church has no money. Only, church, only money the church has came out of your pocket comes out of your faithfulness. Can you believe that people come here every week and leave money? I promise you it's not for the preaching, but it's for the food and clothing and the gospel outreach and the meeting the needs of those who could in no way turn around and help us back. This is what God said. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. By the way, in the 28 years that I have been pastor here, not one person has ever come to me after six months and said, you know, God, God didn't do what he said. Rather, they have come and said, you know, God did do what he said. Man, we have, we, we have seen the gospel go around the world because of that. Verse 11 also carries a, a little rider with it, an insurance policy with it. If you will bring your tithes into the storehouse, the Bible says he'll open up windows and pour out blessings on you. But this is also a writer in verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And then there's a little cap on that. And if you'll do that, all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. You see, it's an important thing to sanctify what God blesses us with, to sanctify our increase, to sanctify our possessions. We sanctify them. God counts it holy when we give him the first 10%. He counts it holy. I had much rather have holy blessed 90% than, than devour, uh, you know, exposed, uh, cursed 100%. I've been on both sides of those fences and I'm telling you, I like this side better. Okay. And it is, it is an absolute reality that God will do that. Tithing honors God and also it sanctifies our money so that it doesn't take wings and fly off and it doesn't end up being put in bags like sand with uh, bags with holes in it. Uh, so, so that we aren't trusting in uncertain riches that pierce us through with many sorrows, but rather our blessings are there in the hands of God. You know, God knows, Brenda and I live by percentages. God knows if someone needs something, he knows who I give to. He knows what I've committed to the church. And if God wants something done and I'm touching that one of those things, he already can calculate 
how much he needs to bless me in order for them to get that much. That's a pretty good deal. That's called partnership. I'm in partners with God. God knows exactly. If, if the church or if one of my missions partners needed a certain amount of money, God knows because he's seen, he's seen us faithful whenever, you know, uh, you know, there was nothing there. He knows exactly how much he has to give me in order for them to get that much. Well, that's, that's a principle out of God's word. Uh, okay, we're talking about working. We're talking about tithing. Number three, giving. You see, tithing and giving are not the same. Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure, with the same measure that you use, it will be measured to you again. Proverbs 11.25 says, the generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will be watered himself. You know, God gives us bread and seed. Plant your seed. The Bible says God gives you bread and seed. You see, tithing and giving are two different things. Tithing belongs to the Lord. Giving is something that I do out of what I have. You know, I don't count my tithe as mine. I count, that's holy to the Lord. But giving, uh, you know, uh, for example, I'll tell on Brenda, every uh, Wednesday night, she has a, a check ready. Tonight, she stuck it back in there again. Bill had to, t- had to tap, <laughs> tap us. Sometimes they have to kind of almost wake us up. <laughs> but uh, every Wednesday night, she, I, she's been doing this so long. She, she gives a certain amount of money every Wednesday night to the man who led her to the Lord, a missionary. Every Wednesday. I'm going to tell you, that was the best 10 minutes he ever spent in 1976. In 1976, he spent about 10 minutes leading her to the Lord. That was the absolute best 10 minutes. I can't calculate how much he gets paid by the hour, but that 10 minutes has yielded him a quite good sum of money through the years, and it will till the day he dies. And uh, his, his wife after that, if he goes before her, why? because of the faithfulness and consistency, but that's separate and apart from us bringing our tithes to the storehouse. All the other missions things that we do, our tithes are for the storehouse to operate the house of God. But the Bible says that the priests even charged themselves for the service of the house of God. Things that, 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 that are extra and above that, that we reach out from Project Grace to water wells to, to, you know, to, to, to missions giving. All of that is, is over and above. We never designate our tithes because that is for the storehouse. But those offerings, those things are, are, are given to meet needs. They are given to sow seeds. And they are given because the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Sometimes when we have needed something. In fact, uh, I, I wanted an airplane. Okay? I wanted one. And I had no way in the world I had enough money to buy an airplane. So I found that... CBN, the 700 Club, they were going to buy an airplane to take food into starving countries. Now, I didn't have much. Okay? I took $25 and I prayed over it and I said, God, this is my seed. And you know, God, this is costing me. God, it's a sacrifice. $25 was between us and eating, it was between us and paying you know, electricity bills. Took that $25, said, Lord, I, I really want an airplane. I'd really like to have one, God. And I know I can't afford one, but I know you can. So here's some seed for harvest. And I planted it in that airplane. Well, from then to now, I have had 19 airplanes. 19 airplanes that the Lord has given me. And when I have ended up selling them, I've made great money on every one of them. Why? Because of the seed. Well, when Brenda and I first became pastors and I surrendered my life to the ministry, we sold everything we had and we gave all the money to a ministry. Uh, I don't recommend this. Don't try this at home. This is description, not prescription. We had two cars at the time. I had a Volkswagen and a, and a Dodge Ram Charger four-wheel drive. I love that four-wheel drive Ram Charger. 
I had brought it back with me from, from Germany. I bought it in Germany and, 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 and had it shipped back. And man, it was wonderful. And, 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 and boy, we committed our lives to Jesus and, and we, we sold those two cars. Do you know we went out, went without a car for two years? The first two years that I pastored a church, we didn't even own a car. I had to call somebody to come and pick us up on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, and Wednesday nights, and to take us back home. We had to get a ride to church and home, and I was the pastor. And I was preaching faith and prosperity, and I was preaching God loves you and has a plan for your life, and God's going to, and, 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 and I wasn't silly, I wasn't stupid, I wasn't uneducated. I was believing every word, and I'd say, can somebody give me a ride home? <laughs> two years. This tells in about 10 minutes. It took two years to live. And during that time that we had, didn't have a car for two years and me and Brendan, two kids, and, and, and we, we lived about five miles from the church out in the country. During that same time, God spoke to us and told us to buy two cars and give them away. And we did. A man brought me some money and told me to buy a car with it. And I bought a car and I felt like the Lord told me to give it to a guy that was hitchhiking down the road, and I gave it to him. Now, I know that sounds stupid. It sounds about as stupid as giving somebody you and your kids last meal. You can read about that in 2 Kings 4. Okay? And then our church felt so sorry for us whenever an evangelist came, and he, he couldn't believe I didn't have a car. He took him an offering for us to buy a car. I didn't know what was in the offering, but the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, said, uh, that money is not enough for you to buy the car that I want for you. And I was just weeping because they'd taken that money to buy me a car because I wanted a car so bad. <laughs> and he said, but if you'll sow it as seed, if you'll sow this as seed into someone else's need, this is what he said to me. And I was just a young whippersnapper. This was in 19... 81, if you'll sow this for somebody else's need, he said, you'll never lack for a car. I thought, well, that's a pretty good deal. I looked over and there was a guy sitting at a piano playing and I happened to know that he, had, he and his wife needed a car so bad they just bought one, they didn't have the money and they were paying it out at $50 a week to, to another guy in the church. And I just took it over there and I didn't know how much it was and I sat down in front of him. I said, God told me to give this to you. I'm sowing a seed in your life because God's gonna take care of my cars the rest of my life. It's a pretty good deal. It ended up, it, it, it was exactly the amount of money that he owed that man. Wow. That's God. That's God. <laughs> I got another little story to that. He kept half the money and only paid half for half the car. <laughs> but you know what? That taught me that's his business because my business was over whenever I gave it. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> you know, God taught me a lot in, 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 in those days. But I said, listen, God told me that seed. And do you know what? God opened so many doors. I can't begin to tell you the miracles and the blessings that have poured out on us for the last, what's that been? However long ago that's been, you know, 38 years, 37, 38 years. Amazing. Awesome. Because every time I go back to that moment, whenever I was standing in that church and God told me I could plant a seed, I could eat my seed or I could plant it. I planted it, and it's been producing a harvest for all these years. Man, I can't tell you the miracles that have happened. You know, it, it, time fails, but I'm telling you it's because of giving. It's, it's, it's important. Number four, I want to encourage you to, if you want to be, if you want to grow strong financially, it may not happen in a day. It may not happen in a week. It may not happen in a year. It may not happen in a decade, but over your lifetime, be a giver over your lifetime. Be someone who brings their ties to the Lord over your lifetime. Be somebody who has a good work ethic. 
okay, who gets up in the morning and goes, busy themselves with something and, and, and busy themselves with things all day long. And number four, pay your bills. If you want God to bless you, pay your bills. That's a, that is a, such a good word. Second Kings, the fourth chapter, uh, whenever uh, this little woman uh, who, who had needed the miracle, uh, she went to the prophet and he told her, take the oil you have, you know, and, and pour it into vessels. She did that and filled up every vessel. She came back and said, okay, all the vessels are full. And he, uh, then, then she came and told the man of God and he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debt. The first thing he expected her to do was to pay her debt. Pay, you know, the debts are important. Pay your just and honest debts. The Bible tells you don't tell a creditor to go away and come back uh, uh, again later whenever you have it right here by you in store. Whenever you have it, you pay it. You don't hold on to it thinking that they can do without it. Pay your bills. Pay your debts. Get in the habit of paying your debts. It's very important that you pay your just and honest debts and you don't always look for somebody to give you, you know, a, 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 a way out. That you're not looking for, you know, I mean, that you didn't uh, borrow $100 and trying to settle with them for 30 Hello? <laughs> it's important. If, if you agree to pay somebody, you know, something, then when they get finished, pay them. Oh, that's good stuff. Okay. You might say, well, well, I can't pay my bills. Most likely it's because you hadn't worked, you hadn't tithed, and you hadn't given. Oh, I better hush there. I know you can't afford to pay your bills. And let me tell you, that's not the worst of it. It, it ain't going to get no better. Until you start doing some things that God encourages us to do in order for God to get involved in your finances. And God will. He will. He will. He said, try me in this. Okay. Uh, and, and by the way, the most, most often the quickest way to get a raise, do you, know, do you know how to get a raise? Cut a bill. If you cut a bill, that's the quickest way you can get a raise. Okay. And the reason why you cannot buy what you want, you've been hearing this for now for 28 years. What did I say? The reason why you can't buy what you want, you're right, because you bought what you wanted. <laughs> That's the reason you can't buy. You see, the only, there, there's only one problem with a dollar, and that is it only spends one time. And the reason you can't buy what you want is because you bought what you wanted. You already spent that dollar. But if you can curb your behavior, if you can uh, come into agreement with God, then you can begin. You can begin a good life and, and you can find yourself able to pay your bills. God will help you pay your bills if you will pay your bills with what he gives you. He will help you. God will grub stake you. God will get you out of debt. God will give you a chance. God will, and not just one. He'll give you a second chance. God will give you a third chance. He does not mind uh, blessing you first, okay? Now, what you do with the blessing will figure into whether he wants to bless you again, how long it is between blessings. He's a good God that way. Number five, save. It's important that you save. If you want to... Uh, uh, if you want to be strong financially, if you want to build better finances, it's important to have a savings account. Have yourself a savings Get a savings account. Save some money. Well, I just can't save any money. Yes, you can. You could save a dollar a week. There's something you could do. You could go without that you know, pack of chewing gum. Okay, you could do something okay, to save a dollar a week. This is what I tell people. Start. Take what you have. Start where you are. Do something. Do something. Save something. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 22, that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Listen, leaving an inheritance to your children's children, there's something you can do. Even if you left them a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, do something. You can do that. I, I, I encourage young people especially to, to, you know, to put a dollar back. Put three dollars back a week. Do something. Do something. God says, he wants to bless your storehouse. How can he bless your storehouse if you don't have one? Start putting back, put back 50 cents, put back a quarter, do something, do something and don't bury it in the ground. Number six, invest, invest something. Okay. Now if hardship comes and you need to draw on what you've saved, you need to draw on an investment. Well, praise God you have it. Okay. If you are saving money for a new car and all of a sudden your old car breaks down and you got to spend, you know, uh, $20,000 on a new car, well then uh, praise God that you had the good sense to save it. 
Don't worry, don't fret over uh, spending couch money or emergency money or flat tire money on things that you have saved for. That's what it's there for. Save something. I, I, I can't get into this in depth, but there, there, there ought to be at least an emergency fund that you have access to. A little cash, you know. I, I, I recommend, like most people do, that you do your best to put $1,000 back somewhere, somehow, and you don't mess with it. It's an emergency fund. Now, if an emergency comes and you spend it, great. Praise God. Thank God you had it, but begin to put it back. And then also get you some midterm and some long-term goals in your savings. You can do it. You can do it. Even if it's $3 a week, do something. Okay. Invest. Number six, Ecclesiastes 11.2 said, divide your investments among many places. You know, God wants us to make investments. In fact, that's what we are doing as a church. We're making an investment for you in eternity. Whenever you give, if you gave a dollar to this church, ever gave a dollar. In fact, if you gave a dollar in 2017, 32 cents of that found its way into some place that is an investment for your eternity. Isn't that a pretty good deal? And that, that, that's just a pretty good deal. Okay. You know, not just spiritual investments, but invest your finances, invest wisely one day. You will be glad your, your money will work for you. You can work, you work to get money, but the money you get should be working for you. Tithing, giving, paying your debts, investing. That's why we work. Work is one of the greatest opportunities we have. Don't waste your work opportunity. True riches are gained by investing in eternity. And uh, Proverbs 19, 17 says, he who has pity on the poor is lending to the Lord and he will pay him back what he has given. Now, let me, you can't make a better investment than, than having pity on poor people because God says, I'll guarantee that and I will pay you back. Wow, that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> let me tell you, that's a good deal. Do you know how easy it is for God to bless you if he wants to? Well, tomorrow you could be walking... You know, walking out, uh, you know, of your house and trip over a lottery ticket for a billion dollars if that's what God wanted for you. Why would God want that for you? Because he knows what you'll do with it. How does he know what you'll do with it? He knows what you did with the last $10 he gave you. That's the truth. True riches are gained by investing and investing with God. Number seven, the seventh thing. Now here's what we've talked about so far, okay? We've talked about the importance. If you want to, to build finances, we've talked about the importance, these seven pillars of having a good work ethic. We've talked about the importance of partnering with God so that he sanctifies what you have and what you get each week, each month. We've talked about as well how important it is to, to, to give, to be a giver, to live to be a giver, whether it's to a neighbor. You know, your tithes come to the storehouse, but to a missionary, to a neighbor, to a project, you know, to, to, to someone else in need, to the poor, it's important to give. It's also important that we pay our bills, and God will help you do that. You can believe God for bill-paying money, okay? Use that money then to pay bills. It's important uh, as well to invest, Make some investments, eternal investments and investments for this life. And then also number seven, spend. It is important that you spend your money. You want to have strong finances? Then it's important that you use them for what God intends. And God will bless you with more. You see Ecclesiastes 3.13 says, And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. God gives you enough for you to enjoy. You should be enjoying. You should enjoy spending some money. If you don't enjoy spending money, then you may want to check, make sure you don't, you know, that, that you don't have a problem. You should enjoy spending some money. You should enjoy making money. You should enjoy giving money. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. You should enjoy paying your bills. Do you know I get excited bill paying? You know, I don't ever remember saying, oh, dadgummit, there's another bill. I don't remember that. 
Why? Because, uh, you know, God's helped me pay my bills. Thank God. Taxes. I love to pay taxes. I love, I absolutely get excited. You know, I write the IRS many years, most years, and ask them, please keep it. Please don't give, don't give me any back. Please keep it. I know I'm supposed to get a return, but would you just keep it? Why? Because the Bible says to give tax to whom taxes do. And I'm so thankful for the roads. I'm so thankful for the bridges. I know that the guy that I gave the money to may not spend it all on what I gave it to him for. But you know what? That's his business. My business is, is I'm connected with God and I'm happy to pay my taxes. I am absolutely happy. I got so many taxes back this year. I can't, I, I, I was blown away. I said, what? No, no. It, it, it's just crazy because of this hurricane. And you know, but, but what can I say? Glory to God. Bless the name of the Lord. It's just, I mean, walking through life it's like oh okay well what you know spend your money enjoy your life ecclesiastes 5:19 says as for every man to whom the lord has given riches and wealth every person that the lord has given riches and wealth god has also given you the power to eat of it to receive his heritage and rejoice in your labor this is a gift of god God just didn't give you money thinking that you were going to give it all away. He didn't give you money thinking that it was going to take it all to pay uh, your bills. He didn't give you money uh, saying, okay, now you got to give it all to the church. He didn't give you money thinking that, that, that you were going to save it all. He gave you money so that you could also enjoy life. Enjoy life. Enjoy life. It's the gift of God. It's important if you want to have a strong financial future that you eat some of the fruit of your labor. Okay? That's what God intends. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, uh, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. What does that mean? That means that we need to pay attention to our money okay? and be diligent because every person that God gives riches and wealth to, he expects them to enjoy it. He expects them uh, to, to, to invest and to save. He expects them to pay their bills, okay? This is life. You can partner with God and build strong, build better finances for you, for your children, for your children's children. And if you happen to be one of those folks that says, well, I don't really want or need any more money, then please, all the extra you get from now on, give it to me. If you don't need any more, bring it right here, okay? I'll purchase eternal rewards for you, okay? And I'll enjoy a lot of it too, okay? I might want a bigger plane. Who knows? So if you don't want it, don't be pious. If you don't want it, give it to me. If you want to live in poverty, you know, poverty is a state of mind. You can die with, with a million bucks in your checking account and be in poverty. Okay? Don't live in poverty. Live in abundance. Because the Bible says that a man's wealth does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Wealth is a spiritual matter. 